Introducing the Two-Way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the Two-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the Two-Way for yourself at NewBalance.com. Welcome into the Hoist the Colors podcast. We are quickly approaching another East Carolina football game, and we are going to preview that. I'm Stephen Igo with HoistTheColors.net, the publisher of Hoist the Colors, the host of the Hoist the Colors podcast. ECU heading to UCF, looking for a fourth straight win. Jonathan Wagner joins me on the live line, Zoom call, whatever the hell we're calling this. Uh, <laughs> Jonathan, did you know that ECU is undefeated? 3-0 and since your return to the Hoist of Colors podcast. You know, I I did not until you texted me that yesterday. And, you know, I think to that, all I really have to say is, Pirate Nation, you're welcome. Uh, I think <laughs> I'm responsible, and I'm, we're probably jinxing it today, coming back, you know, twice before they lose. But, you know, I'll take it. But, yeah, you're welcome, everyone. Yeah, if they win this week, we'll just have you on the podcast weekly for the rest of eternity. Uh, it also is funny, Jonathan, that you went to school at ECU for four years and never saw a three-game winning streak. So now as soon as you leave and enter the real world and you're not able to really go to many home games, uh, they win three in a row. You were able to go to Charleston Southern, correct? Yeah, that's right. And How was that yeah, one? Um, yeah. <laughs> that, that was the ECU I've come to know and love. But, you know, you're right. <laughs> I went – to school for four years i started really closely following ecu the year before i got to campus so it, it's it was a rough few years and not am i surprised at all that you know we're probably going to wait until a year or two after i'm gone before they you know start really having success no i'm not surprised at all i expect basketball to win the national championship and baseball to go to omaha this year too hey i just want one bowl game one ncaa tournament appearance and one omaha trip before i'm done uh, covering East Carolina for good. So maybe it'll all happen in, in the coming years. I uh, hope to be covering ECU long after that. Jonathan, you're with On3 now, uh, a former Hoist of Colors intern. For those who are familiar with the show, you've probably heard him a lot in the past. Uh, my son Slater is sleeping. He is napping currently. I am home alone. I have the baby duty today. I'm heading to Orlando tomorrow. We're recording this on Thursday morning. So let's dive right into this before he wakes up and starts screaming. He's already made a podcast appearance once in the background. I don't know if anybody heard it or not, but I had to record one time with him in my arms sleeping. So, all right, let's dive into this. Jonathan, when the, when the schedule first came out, I think everybody kind of looked at the slate and thought there are two games that it's going to be really difficult for ECU to win. Cincinnati to finish the year for obvious reasons. Look at them. And UCF in uh, in early October because we know how good Dylan Gabriel is. We know how good UCF is. Yeah, they lost their coach, but they hired Gus Malzahn, who's a pretty proven commodity. And I think everybody just kind of expected them to keep it rolling. Not that they're a bad team. They've lost to, uh, you know, a couple of good teams in Louisville and then Navy. You know, probably not a good team this year, but still the triple option. You kind of have to throw it out to a certain extent. Two and two, they're coming home. They're banged up. Gabriel's not playing. He's got a broken collarbone. Uh, 
They got some other guys banged up. Suddenly, this game looks a lot more winnable than it did when the schedule came out in February. Just before we kind of dive into this matchup, we got some questions on the Hoist of Colors uh, message board to get to. What are your overall feelings going into this game compared to maybe what they were when you first saw the schedule? Yeah, I mean, I'll be the first to admit, um, before the season, and maybe it was a hot take back then, but anybody that's familiar with me on this podcast, I am no stranger to hot takes and bold predictions, but I thought UCF was going to be right there. I thought UCF could give Cincinnati a run for their money this year in the American. I even went as far to say that I think UCF would win the American this year. Um, I don't think I put that publicly anywhere, thank God, but you know, I, I was really high on UCF. A lot of it is the Gus Malzahn factor. They got a couple of big-time transfers, you know, Big Cat Bryant coming in. And, I mean, yeah, Dylan Gabriel, losing him is big. I'm a big fan of Gabriel. I think he's he might be the best, one of the best, one of the two or three best quarterbacks in the conference, I think. And, you know, he's been really good for a few years. We saw it last year uh, in the season opener against UCF back in Greenville. But they're, they're a good team. They're talented, even though they're banged up, even though, you know, a couple of guys, they've lost a couple of guys and recent weeks but they're still deep they're they're very deep they're very talented and Gus Malzahn is Gus Malzahn so I think it's it's a tough game but I definitely feel a lot better about it right now because losing Dylan Gabriel is a big loss and ECU is playing well and UCF I don't think has really played that well all this season so it's a very winnable game right now a lot more than I thought it was even two three weeks ago I think if this was a fully healthy UCF team with Dylan Gabriel at quarterback, they would be probably 17-point favorites, maybe even closer to 20. I think the line is about right. You know, I thought it would be around 9 or 10. Like, UCF still, even with the freshman quarterback across the board, they're extremely talented. They have speed all over the place. They have experience for the most part. Uh, they do have some vulnerabilities this year. They lost a couple of DBs to the NFL, and I don't think their pass defense is near as strong. As it was, they only have two sacks in four games. Now, again, part of that is because you face the triple option, so really almost two sacks in three games. You're not going to sack a triple option team uh, more times than not. Uh, so, But you look at their overall stats, Jonathan, they're still very impressive. You know, I looked at the Boise State game, and I knew they had to come from behind to win. I didn't realize they basically outgained Boise State by 250 to 300 yards. Uh, obviously, they crushed Bethune-Cookman. Uh, Louisville, they were very statistically even. And their overall stats this year kind of jump out at you as this is still a very good football team. There's no doubt about it. 41 points per game for UCF. They're giving up 30 points, which is a pretty high number for them historically. Um, rushing yard, this is a very interesting stat to me. You know, UCF is uh, is running right now for 5.9 yards per carry and 226.3 yards per game, which is a very good number. Defensively, they're only giving up 145 on the ground per game and 3.8 yards per rush. If you look at the first two games of the year, Jonathan, they gave up, I think, 26 yards on 20 carries to Boise State. They shut down Bethune-Cookman. But the last two weeks, they've been kind of gashed on the ground, especially against Navy because it's the option. And also, Louisville basically has a run. You know, they, they do a ton of zone read. They have a running back uh, caliber quarterback in terms of he can really run. He's an outstanding athlete. So they've been bitten by two really good running attacks specifically that schemed them up pretty well. And then now you go back to more of a traditional offense in ECU this week. And I think one of the keys to the game for me is can ECU establish some sort of running game on that defense that, uh, that Boise State really was not able to do in the opener. 
Yeah, I think to me that's one of the biggest keys of the game. You know, Keaton Mitchell's obviously coming off of a career day, 222 yards, a couple of touchdowns. And Keaton Mitchell, he's been lighting up college football. He's one of the leading rushers in all of college football right now, which is kind of crazy to think about considering I think most people expected Rajay Harris to kind of, you know, be the guy to lead that backfield and Keaton Mitchell to kind of come in and spell him. At least that's what I thought. I love Keaton Mitchell. I think he's versatile, but yeah, I think it's a challenge. So I'll be interested to see how UCF's defense does, you know, stack up, especially after losing a linebacker. And, you know, I, I think it's going to be important. You're not, I don't think you're just going to see Keaton Mitchell have a big day or Raja Harris. I think it's going to be more of a kind of a middle ground for both of them. I don't think Raja Harris has been the Raja Harris we know and we expected coming into the year maybe yet. I think he had a good game last week, but you know, Keaton, he's not going to run for 200 yards in this game. I don't think Raja is not going to run for 20. I think you might see both of them run for 50, 60, because I think you're really going to have to, use both of those guys to kind of give that defense different looks from series to series, from play to play. So I think if you can effectively use both of them in the right spots, then ECU could have success on the run. And that's not even to mention, you know, obviously Holt Naylor's potentially running the ball as well. Yeah, you're going to reach a point offensively where you're not going to have a 60-yard run by Keaton Mitchell, like, per game. Like, that's, that's basically happened every game except South Carolina, and we saw how much the offense struggled against South Carolina. So – the good news is it's happened so much now that you still have to force the ball to Keaton Mitchell, which is a good thing. But also the defense is going to absolutely key on Keaton Mitchell, so you can do a lot of stuff off of that. And I think last week was the first time, Jonathan, we really saw the offense use multiple different weapons. So, like, you can go into a game now, and I think UCF probably goes into the game and they're thinking, hey, if we take away Keaton Mitchell and we take away Tyler Sneed and probably take away C.J. Johnson, we have a chance to have success. But now if you're ECU – you're thinking, hey, we still have Rajay Harris. We still have Ryan Jones, Shane Calhoun, both those guys that made play this, plays this year. Audio Matosho, who you know I was tempted to write off after a poor start, has just come on extremely strong. Josiah Hatfield has made plays. Uh, I just think you're finally at the point offensively now where even if they key and take away a weapon or two, you have other guys to kind of answer that. Yeah, and it's something that, you know, I don't think we've really seen in the last year or so on this offense. You know, I think Holton Naylor is playing some of the best football, maybe of his career right now, with the way he's thrown the ball the last two weeks. And, yeah, like you mentioned, Audio Matosho, I was with you. I, I didn't think he was really going to be any kind of factor on this offense after last year and after how maybe the first game or two this year. But he's come off strong, and he's he's gotten open down the field, and he's caught the ball. He's struggled with, you know, drops in the past, and – He's been really good. I love Josiah Hatfield. I, I think me and you talked a lot about it last year, you know, even with Keaton Mitchell, you know, just finding ways to get him, even if you line him up in the slot opposite Sneed, just get him, get him the ball, use your playmakers in different ways. And yeah, Shane Calhoun, Ryan Jones. I love the way they used Ryan Jones last week. He's a heck of an athlete. So I, I like, you know, giving him a ball and some of those, you know, fakes and end arounds and that kind of stuff. So I, I like the versatility and just giving us some different looks because when we as fans don't know what to expect, I think that's it's very fun. And when ECU's offense is fun, they win games. So hopefully they can keep finding the ways to get different guys the ball because I think if you want to keep winning down the stretch, you're not like you said, you're not going to just be able to rely on Keaton Mitchell. You won't be able to rely just on Tyler Sneed, C.J. Johnson. You're going to need everyone to step up at different times. So. 
I'll be interested to see how it plays out. That's what good football teams do every week. It's somebody new. So that is a good early trend for East Carolina, even though we are seeing Keaton Mitchell continue to do what he does. There, there are other guys stepping up around him. Uh, one other key stat that jumped off the page of me is before we dive into the questions from the audience, uh, UCF defensively, they are struggling on third down. They're giving up 40% conversions uh, on third down, which is not a good number. Offensively, they're at a very good number, 43% success rate on third down. Now, we know how much ECU has struggled offensively on third down. They're basically, I think, under 30% now. They made up for that last week. On fourth down, which you know was good, but you don't have to rely. You don't want to have to rely on that every game. So that's another factor to watch going into Saturday, Jonathan. The third down struggles really for ECU's offense and UCF's defense uh, could, in a way, make or break this game. Battle the Titans, you know. Um, I think. I mean, I think that makes that makes first down that much more important. I think, and you know, that's the obvious answer, but. Whether you're running the ball or passing the ball in first and second down, if you can get that third down, the third and two, third and three, with some of these playmakers emerging on the offense like we just talked about, then I like ECU's chances moving forward, especially against UCF who struggles on third down. But, you know, I I, I like it. I, if you can get some big gains and honestly, honestly, let's just let's just not get the third down, you know. First, second down, takes take shots, big runs. Keaton Mitchell is going to run for 60 yards. Um but yeah, first and second down, the, the, it makes it that much more important when you're so, struggling so much on third down. But, you know, like you said, honestly, it, it just doesn't matter when ECU is going to go out there and get it on fourth down no matter what. So it's all part of the plan, I think. It's just how Donnie uh, Kirkpatrick drew it up for sure. All right, let's dive into these questions. Jonathan, uh, number one from ECU Pirates backwards. I still don't know how to pronounce his actual name. Um <laughs> He says, things are turning around for ECU, and I have to attribute it to Slater. I'll be waiting patiently for Igloo number two. Will you speak on how Slater has turned ECU football around? Well, I actually had Slater uh, come talk to the team after the 0-2 start, and um, he went in with his uh, his ECU outfit, courtesy of Brian Bailey, which was an awesome gift, by the way. And honestly, I haven't seen the team that fired up in a long time since 2014 and I don't think it's a coincidence that they've been playing just as good as the 2014 team has ever since so uh 3-0 since Slater's appearance in uh in the uh, ECU locker room 3-0 since Jonathan's appearance on the Hoist of Colors podcast we just need to keep these things going and hopefully uh hopefully it continues I don't know when Igloo number two is coming hopefully that's a uh, bit of bit of the way off I'm still getting used to Igloo number one uh <laughs> good luck Jonathan when you have kids all right uh, number two, Tarboro Pill, he says, uh, what are you looking forward to seeing as EC let's see, let me let me let me retry that. What are you looking <laughs> to see as far as ECU matching up with UCF? Um well Jonathan, we can both take a stab at this. We kind of just touched on it. Uh, but for me it's the run ECU's running game versus UCF's run defense. You know, watching Gus Malzahn's press conference earlier this week, he seems confident that against a traditional offense, they'll be able to slow down the run. But their pass defense has struggled with some of those guys they lost. So I think if ECU does establish a run in this game, they'll have a lot of success offensively. What are you looking for on uh, on Saturday? Yeah, I think um, another obvious answer, but I, I, I think this game could come down to whoever plays best in the first quarter. Whoever comes out the strongest and really gets off to a good start, I think is going to win this game. And I also think I want to see ECU's defense play how they did last week. They were physical. They were 
all over the place, a whole bunch of just crushing hits, clean hits, but really powerful hits that really take a toll on opposing players. I loved what I saw last week from ECU's defense from that standpoint. So I think if you can, you know, take that mindset into, into the bounce house in Central Florida and really kind of, you know, punch them in the mouth when you get there and really be physical out of the gate, then I think it's going to wear down UCF again. And I think ECU is in a really good position if their defense can really play as physical as it did last week. Uh, our next question comes from Dover Pirate. How good are these two quarterbacks that we are facing this weekend? Are they better or worse than other quarterbacks we have seen? You know, I, I don't think we really know, Jonathan. I mean, it's a true freshman quarterback in his second career start. One thing I do know after watching some of the highlights and watching some of his high school film is this kid can spin it. And I thought Blake Harrell made the appropriate – uh, response yesterday when asked about their their quarterback situation. This guy is basically like a a younger version of Dylan Gabriel. Granted, he is right handed, but all these guys remind me of each other. You know, Mackenzie Milton, Dylan Gabriel, this guy. They're all undersized, but smart, good arm, quick release, accurate. So I feel like no matter who's at quarterback, and yeah, you would rather be facing a true freshman than Dylan Gabriel, who's probably a top ten quarterback in America. But I still feel like they're going to do what they do. It is a different scheme under Malzahn compared to what they did under Josh Heupel, but it's still tempo, and it's still a lot of quick stuff and a lot of speed across the board. So uh, with Keene, Mikey Keene, the unknown is how does he handle pressure? We'll find that out on Saturday with Blake Carroll. And then the other quarterback, Joey Gatewood, he's more of your running threat. Um, he's he's thrown three passes this year. He's 0 for 3 with a pick. But he's 6'5", 220. He comes in basically in the Mason Garcia package for them. So those are the two guys you'll see on Saturday. Jonathan, I don't know if you have anything to add to, to what you've seen or heard about these guys. You know, um, I think the best way to find out how good you are as a quarterback, throw at Jaquan McMillan. You'll find out just how good you are there. Hey, that's a, that's a great point. And hey, if teams keep throwing at him, he's going to keep making plays. I mean, it sounds like he even had a heck of a pick on during Wednesday's practice. So. Even ECU's quarterbacks haven't learned yet. <laughs> He's McMillan's is good, man. He's really good. He's a stud. Uh, Diamond Buck three one two. He says, "How do we t- how do we handle their tall wide receivers and tight ends? Will we learn from the Charleston Southern up tempo experience, or is UCF not running as quick as they did under temp- under Heupel? Uh To answer the second part first, they are running uh, tempo. Malzahn runs a lot of tempo, but it's not." probably quite as quick and quite as consistent as it was under Malzahn, but they still run it. So it'll be similar to Charleston Southern. Um, as far as how ECU handles the tall wide receivers and tight ends, well, I mean, they're not going to grow any bigger in the cornerback room this week, Jonathan. So basically they have to man up and, and cover guys. And ECU is not the tallest secondary in the world, but I'll tell you what, I'll take Jaquan McMillan and Malik Fleming against pretty much anybody the way they're playing right now. You know, Jaquan gets a lot of hype. Malik's been playing extremely well, too. I think he's taken even another step from last year. And, you know, the big concern for me is I think the corners are fine in pass coverage. It's more about the safeties and the linebackers. I want to see them be more consistent in pass coverage. Yeah, and I think it all it all really goes together. You know, I think even with your defensive front, you know, when you're getting pressure in the backfield, quarterback's going to have less time to throw. Receivers will have less time to get open. So I think ECU's defensive front is really important in this game, too. They can get some pressure on the quarterback, whichever is in the in the game at that time. Then I think it's going to cause problems for UCS passing game. So 
when 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 one part of the defense plays well and all plays well together, and I think to me that starts at the defensive front. So a strong game there, I think, will lead to another strong game in the secondary. But yeah, like you said, I'll take Jaquan, I'll take Malik over in just about any battle right now with the way they're playing. And like I said, if they can, if the defense, the safeties, the linebackers can play physical like they did last week, then I think ECU is going to be in a good position. One interesting thing about these receivers for UCF is both of them were very close at one point to come to East Carolina um, as far as Brandon Johnson, who leads their team right now in receiving touchdowns. He's got three. He's got 15 catches for 151 yards. He was a Tennessee grad transfer, and it basically looked like ECU until UCF got involved. And also Caden Robinson is a JUCO transfer uh, from ASA College. He has uh, He's only got one catch this year, but it's for 30 yards and a touchdown. He could see his role increase with uh, with Jalen Robinson, the Oklahoma transfer, potentially not playing this week. So, uh, And he, he basically came down to ECU, UCF, and App. So both those guys, I think, will be very motivated this week. And I think ECU will be pretty motivated to play against them uh, as well. Um, so that's an interesting thing to watch, but they are two big physical receivers, which could pose uh, a problem for ECU's smaller defensive backfield, but we'll see how the matchup goes. All right. A few more questions. Jonathan Berg pirate. He says, uh, you know, Berg's always got to have multiple questions. Uh, I would expect nothing less. Yeah. Number one, how good is UCF? Their best win is an underachieving Boise state and they've lost to a mediocre Louisville and Navy color me unimpressed. You know, I think if they had gone out there, Jonathan, and got blown out by Louisville and didn't have the injuries and then lost to Navy, maybe I would say that they're not a good team. But I, I, I watched the majority of that Louisville game, and I feel like they're still extremely good. I did not watch much of the Navy game. I just caught the highlights because it was at the same time as ECU. I was shocked by that score. But then again, I wasn't because you go to Navy, all it takes for them is to get a little momentum with that option, and it just changes the entire game. So – I I think this team is still very good. Now, are they the UCF of, like, the New Year's Six Bowl? Clearly not. Are they beatable? Yes. But I think it's going to take an extremely strong effort for ECU to go out there on the road and win this football game. Yeah, I agree with you. Like, like we said earlier, too, the fact that they have a couple injuries doesn't change the fact that they're still very talented and they're very deep. They have talent at pretty much every position. So... You know, their their resume might not look as good as you would expect from a UCF team right now. They might not be at the same level as Cincinnati, obviously. Cincinnati is obviously really good. But, you know, I, yeah, UCF's still really good and still going to be a very challenging game. And, uh, yeah, I still think they're a very good team. So I'm, I'm not impressed with their resume either. But I think it's also, like, like we said, with all the injuries and all the stuff they've had happening – and just the weird schedule they've had too. I think it's you got to look past that a little bit. Like you said, you have to throw the option out in some aspects to an extent. So I like UCF. They're talented, they're deep, and it's still going to be a tough game. Yeah, and just to give you a, a, a sampling of their talent, you know, their Isaiah Bowser kid, this North <clears throat> Northwestern transfer. Man, they got a lot of tra- transfers, but uh, uh, he likely I don't think will play this weekend, and he's probably an NFL caliber player, but. So he's he missed the last game, but then you have uh, Johnny Richardson, who's averaging eight point nine yards per carry and uh, has a long of twenty three. So he's consistently ripped off big runs. He's a five seven, one hundred seventy pound Keaton Mitchell type back. So they're gonna have speed. You know, Bowser does give him some power when he's in there, but it's not like just because their top guys are out doesn't mean they have don't have 
capable players behind him. So it's still going to be extremely challenging on um, on Saturday. Number two from Berg Pirate, will we see more playing time from Mason Garcia this weekend? You know, I, I don't know. I mean, this is a uh, – I, I, I said on Pirate Radio that he would not play against Tulane, and I was wrong. He ended up playing, I think, a couple of snaps through a heck of a touchdown pass. You know, I just wonder how much can you go to that package before teams just know what you're going to do. I think he'll I think he'll make an appearance this weekend. I think he'll run the ball, and we'll see how much they end up utilizing. But, I mean, it's basically a guessing game at this point, Jonathan. Do you have any gut on whether or not we'll see Mason this weekend? Yeah, my gut, honestly, I, I say we don't see him. Um, I just think – I still think that UCF is in a different ballpark than the Charleston Southerns and the two lanes in the world, of the world. Tulane, I still think, you know, is better than their record shows. But, I mean, I, I just think that, you know, Garcia, it's a lot easier to get him in in those kind of lower pressure situations. Obviously, last week he had a lead and he was able to get some time there. But, yeah, I just I just have a gut feeling that this isn't going to be a game where you can afford to – I don't want to say afford because I think Garcia has been good when he's been out there. But I, I just don't think this is a game where you're going to have that situation arise to where you can get Garcia into a game, even in one of those packages. I just I just personally have a gut feeling that you don't see it this week. But who knows? I'm, I'm usually wrong when I make predictions on this podcast. So you, that means you'll probably see him about 10 times. Well, I was pretty confident we wouldn't see him, and then he made an appearance on the first drive of the Tulane game. So, uh, And Donnie Kirkpatrick said yesterday that, man, he is just practicing at an extremely high level right now. So we'll we'll see. I mean, if he if he keeps earning their trust in practice and he keeps making throws like that, I know it's a design throw and rollout, but, I mean, he threw a dime. So, Or as Donnie Kirkpatrick said, he threw a damn dime. So uh, <laughs> um, it was a pretty good throw. All right, this is a this is a good question here. How do your expectations change for this season with a win at UCF? Well, Jonathan, I had a guy named Jonathan Wagner ask me last week if ECU football was back. <laughs> uh, all caps. I'll tell you what, if they go on the road and they beat UCF, I will proclaim that ECU football is officially back. And at that point, I'm thinking seven, eight wins, maybe even who who knows, maybe even a conference championship appearance. I, I don't know. But it certainly would make for a fun back half of the schedule because at that point, if you beat UCF on the road, you're saying, all right, we're 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 going bowling unless disaster strikes. Now it's about where are we going to finish at the top of the conference. So this would, be a, this would be a monster win. I don't care how down UCF is. This is still a program that's been at the top of the American for the past handful of years, and you'd be going into their house and winning. So it would be a, it would be a statement victory. Yeah, I mean, I, I agree completely. I think if you go and win UCF, I think everything changes. I, I I agree with you. I think at that point, I will proudly say ECU is back. Um, definitely don't think we're there yet, but I think a win like that, we, we keep saying, I think, you know, statement wins in the Mike Houston era, he's just going to keep racking them up. I think if you, if you go in there and beat UCF, that's undoubtedly the number one on that list. And I agree with you. I think if you... If you beat UCF, then you're talking about, you know, how high are we going to finish? And, you know, I think, yeah, you're looking at seven, eight wins instead of, you know, we should get the six wins if you lose this game. We should get the six wins. You know, you have three winnable games, but then you start thinking Memphis is beatable. You might win that game. Memphis is good, but they're beatable. I think there's a lot of winnable games on the schedule against, you know, 
good teams that ECU is not going to be favored in. But I think I think this win would kind of change things from that standpoint as well as far as expectations from the outside, not just us and not just the team, but from people outside of the program looking in. I think I think it changes everything if you win this game. I think it does too. I think if you win this game, you look at the rest of your schedule and say, you know, there there's not a game we can't win. And I think ECU feels that way now, but then you really believe it because this is a place that not a lot of teams have gone in and won. I don't know their record at the bounce house. By the way, what a joke of a name. Um, the fact you don't even have a stadium actual name, so you call it the bounce house. I mean, that's like ECU just calling Dowdy Ficklin Stadium the Fick or something. I mean, it's – and the fact that you are proud that your stadium bounces. I mean, what the hell? Like, are we are we in kindergarten? The stadium should not be bouncing. Okay, uh, I'm done. <laughs> It just, wouldn't be a Horse of Colors podcast without one I go rant on something very random. I mean, it's just I've been there and I've been in that press box when it's <laughs> bouncing and like I feel like I'm going to die. Like that's not a good thing. That's not a good thing. You don't want your stadium physically bouncing. You want it, uh, I guess, like figuratively <laughs> bouncing. Like, man, it was bouncing in there. Not literally bouncing. That is not good. <laughs> that is unsafe. All right. Uh, anyway. <laughs> So uh, pray for everybody, (laughs) pray for everybody, (laughs) and hopefully ECU wins so there's uh, a lot of points scored and a lot of non-bouncing possessions for the uh, UCF Knights. I do do know that there will be some ECU fans in attendance, so maybe it'll be the bounce house, just in a different way. Wow. You mean uh, Davis? Davis is going to be getting the boys bouncing in section whatever section they're in? That's right. Section whatever. Yeah, I think (laughs) – yeah, maybe maybe they'll have the bounce house bouncing on ECU's favor. Hey. I trust them. Crazier things have happened. It was it was fun to see ECU win at Marshall earlier this year, and uh, see that one section of purple and gold going crazy. All right, um, all right. Last last uh, user here with a question. I just saw a, a, a loss. I got so worked up, Jonathan, that I lost my train of thought and my thread on hoist the colors and I was scrolling and apparently there's a UCF podcast that is calling for late hits on Holt Nailers, which is, uh, yeah, I was, I was going to bring that up at the end. What is that about? All right. We'll bring that up here in a second. Uh, all right. Number one from Yarum, great pirate username. Uh, what player on both offense and defense do you think steps up and shows out for us in this game? Um, you know what? I think offense. I'll, I'll go. I I go. I'm gonna go. CJ Johnson. I feel like it's been like we haven't had a CJ Johnson game yet, Jonathan. I feel like for whatever reason, this is his game. I think there's gonna be a lot of attention on Jones, Mitchell, Sneed. I think this is CJ Johnson's game. What about you, offensively? I, I like it. I will say, um, you know, the last time I made a prediction on this podcast, um. I don't. I I just picked the wrong running back. But in the game threads, I think two weeks ago I said, Rajay. I said C.J. Johnson against Charleston Southern has a hundred yards, had ninety five, just just very close. Last week I said Rajay Harris seventy five yards and two touchdowns. He got the two touchdowns. I think he had sixty seven yards. I was close. I'm going with Rajay Harris again on offense. I think he has a big game. And like you said, I think they're going to really focus on Keaton Mitchell. I think it's going to open up things up for Rajah Harris. Very different running back. And I think Rajah Harris is a big game. I'm not going to go any specific predictions anymore, 
because I want to be able to start counting up some wins on my resume. But I'm just going to leave it at Rajay Harris has a big game. Look, that's one of those you can just round up. I mean, if a guy has 95 yards, just round it up to 100 and just call it good. Uh, nobody's gonna, nobody's gonna hold you to that standard here. I mean, we, we have a standard much like ECU football does, but it's not quite that high. So I'm giving you the win uh, on, right. on, on both of those. All right, defensively, man. I mean, there are so many guys playing defensive uh, football right now for ECU. It's tough to pick one in particular outside Jaquan McMillan because that's just too easy. Uh, I'm going to go with, uh, you know, last time I think ECU played at UCF, this guy had a good game. Honestly, I don't know that, but I got a cool picture of him making a tackle on a UCF player that I always use. So I'm, I'm going to Aaron Ramsour. Uh, he played good last week and I have a really cool picture of him tack on a UCF player. So I'm going to go with him again. I think he brings a different element to the linebacking core. I think his speed is a good matchup for UCF speed. And so I think we see some Aaron Ramsour this weekend. I think he makes some big plays. I like that. I like that pick a lot. I was thinking about Ramsour. I think he's a really, really good player on the defense. He has a different, different, completely different skill set, I think, to wherever he's playing. But for me, I, I'm i going to go with DJ Ford. I just feel like this is the type of game where DJ Ford is going to get really hyped up for. He's going to come out really strong. And I keep talking about physicality, but – if you're looking at a line of football players and you're picking up who you don't want to go against, it is DJ Ford if you're talking physical. The dude is huge. He's big. And I, I just think he, this is the type of game that DJ Ford will be fired up for. I think he comes out strong. And I, I just kind of think he's going to be all over the field and his impact is going to be felt. Whether it's on the stat sheet or not, I just think he's going to have, I would say, the best game of his ECU career. All right, and our last question from Yarum. He says, if we win in Orlando, do you think the conference takes notice or do you think we get the, quote, it was a down UCF team, unquote? Also, would that convince you we have turned the corner for sure as a program? Well, we kind of touched on the latter part earlier this uh, this podcast. I would say, yeah, for sure. You win that game, that's a statement victory. That's not just a, a great victory like Tulane. Like Tulane and Marshall were great victories. This would be a statement victory. Um, so... For me, as far as the first part, I definitely think you'll you'll hear the narrative of uh, oh this was uh this was down UCF team uh you know if it, if this was three years ago they wouldn't have done it and maybe that's true, but this is also a different ECU team and so if they win the game people can say that but they can also shut the hell up because they don't know what they're talking about. Jonathan, your take on that? Yeah, I agree. I think if ECU wins, then you'll see both. I think the conference and people outside the program and again outside of us and on this messaging board then i think that yeah people will take notice and it's like okay maybe this ecu program is 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 back and <laughs> you just had to say it i had to say it i was trying to figure out a way to get it in there it felt right but but yeah i definitely think you're obviously going to see some comments you know wherever you look you know you know ucf's not as good this isn't as good as a win as we're obviously going to make it out to be because I think it is, it would be a great win, a statement win, but yeah, you'll, I think you'll see both. But again, I think, you know, UCF still a talented team, no matter how many injuries they have, they're deep. And Gus Mazam is a good coach. So yeah, I think UCF is a good team and it would be a great win. So I would say again, you see ECU is back and the conference will take notice if they win this game. 
hashtag ECU back. Uh, will be our post. <laughs> That'll be the headline if ECU wins uh, on Hoisted Colors. All right. Uh, that'll do it for our questions. Appreciate you guys tuning in and uh, always asking good stuff. All right. So what have you listened to this podcast, Jonathan, that's apparently calling for late hits on Holt Naylor's uh, ACP 1995 posted about it is... Is he uh is he a big fan of uh, ACP at Mexican restaurants or are those his initial initials? I don't know. Um, but he says the Pegasus podcast at thirty two minutes thirty seconds calls for UCF to hit Holt Nailers quote even after the whistle unquote in order to knock him out of rhythm. Don't know if these guys are in any way close to the UCF program, but thought this was too scummy not to share. Scummy, interesting word. Uh. Jonathan, have you listened to this, or what do you make of this, if anything? I haven't listened to it, but I did see this question come up right before we got on recording, and I did do a little bit of research. I, it doesn't look like they're affiliated with you know, any major network or anything. doesn't look like they're you know, actually affiliated with you – know, it's, it's not a Horse of Colors podcast. It's not a 24-7 or anything like that, but grow up. I yeah, mean, it's just lame. There, there's one thing saying, you know, like I've said, all, all podcasts, you know, physicality, you know, punch them in the mouth, you know, come out and make your presence felt, but taking cheap shots after the whistle, like grow up. I mean, let's play football. Let's not take cheap shots and let's not root for cheap shots. I mean, especially if you're going to, if you're going to record a podcast and put it out to the public to hear, then I think you have to have a level of respect for the game and respect for the other players and come on. You got to have some professionalism, and uh, again, I have not listened to it. But if that's cl- if that's clearly or truly what they said, that's disappointing. That's why I don't listen to the Pegasus podcast. I uh, never <laughs> have and never will, <laughs> to be quite honest. Uh, UCF though does have a thing for hitting quarterbacks late. Back in the nineties, they uh, had a dirty hit on Marcus Crandall, knocked him out for the season, and ruined ECU's season. So uh, Pirate fans will always bring that up. If uh, if they are have followed the program for a long time, so hopefully that does not happen. Hopefully we get a clean game, a physical game, and a good game Saturday night. Jonathan, it's prediction time as Slater is starting to stir in his crib. So we'll, we'll make uh, we'll make our picks and get out of here. But uh, I, I tell you what, there's, this is a tough one for me to predict. I, I've been going back and forth. Like I have this scenario in my head where. ECU just goes down there and jumps on them early and the, the freshman quarterback can't respond and the Pirates end up winning by double digits in Orlando. But then I'm like, can they really do that though? Like is ECU football back? I don't know. Like, so for me, I'm going to, maybe this is the lame safe side, but I'm going to pick UCF to win and I'm going to pick them to win by 10 points. I'm going UCF 34, ECU 24. I think this is going to be a really tight competitive game. I just think UCF coming off two straight losses, coming back home, I think they're going to be fired up, and I think they're going to do enough to win, even though ECU will have its chances. Yeah, I think um, – I I don't know what I'm going to pick. I'm just going to kind of talk myself um, through it here. But, you know, like you said, I think like I said earlier on the podcast, I think I, – I really think this game comes, at, comes down to who comes out stronger in the first quarter. Who wins the first quarter wins this game. That's what I think. And I I really want, I really want to pick UCU. I do because I think I haven't seen this level of play from this team since I've really, really been following the program. Um, but 
You know what? I don't care anymore. I'm not being safe. ECU is going to win 31-27. I'm going to be on the podcast every week, and all I'm going to say, you're going to have a pre-recorded um, clip of me just saying ECU is back. That's your intro. You don't need anything else anymore. ECU wins 31-27. Rajah Harris has a big game. ECU's defense plays well. 31-27, ECU's back. And I'm going to have a damn good time saying that for the next eternity. It's definitely not happening now that you, you're so confident <laughs> in it. Uh, but I'll tell you what, if that happens, we will get the uh, the people from the Pegasus podcast. We'll invite them on the show, <laughs> and we will ask them to clarify their comments or how disappointed they are that Holton Aylers was not knocked out of the game for uh, for late hits even after the whistle or whatever they're talking about. All right, well, who knows? So there's our predictions. I've got a uh, ECU loss, so you can call me a hater, non-believer. All that stuff, use it as motivation. Post it on the bulletin board. Jonathan is all in, so once ECU loses, you can like get on him for being too too kind to the team. You know, there's no perfect in between, Jonathan. It's either we're a hater or we're too much of the Kool Aid drinker. So, uh, so we'll see how it plays out Saturday, man. But thanks for joining the podcast. It was fun as always. Hopefully, we're uh, we're talking about a pirate W come Sunday. Yeah, it's been fun as always, and. Yeah, I mean, this this football team right now, it's fun. Like I said, I've never really seen this team play with the, the way it has. Not to get too far ahead of myself, but I suffered some bad football years during my time at ECU the last four years. So I'm enjoying this while it's here. And I hope everyone going down to Orlando to the bounce house, I hope you don't bounce too much. And I hope it's a fun game and ECU comes out on top. Yeah, I'm just hoping I make it out alive and am able, <laughs> able to do the post-game podcast. All right, well, that'll do it for Jonathan. I am Stephen Igo, and this has been the Hoisted Colors Podcast. We will talk to you after the game, hopefully, if I can make it back. All right, thank you guys for listening. Returns with new episodes on Paramount Plus. What brings you to the show? Opportunity. Everybody get down! A new rain is coming to the South Side. Never should have sent a boy to do a woman's job. The Shy. New episodes now streaming. Visit ParamountPlus.com slash The Shy to get a 50% discount off the Paramount Plus with the Showtime annual plan. Offer ends July 14th. The subscription auto renews. Restrictions apply.